0: The industry is still still used to hours and dollars. And, and so, you know, people working hours, not necessarily the, the equipment or the technology that they're using.
1: Welcome to episode 37, and my guest today is Ralph Picano, who's the CFO and a member of the Board of Directors for Wade Trim, an almost 100-year-old engineering firm. Ralph believes financial strength enables his firm to maintain a business operations while pursuing growth opportunities. He works to manage Wade Trim's financial risk by balancing the demands of internal operations with governmental regulation compliance. He believes in the ethical and timely reporting of financial information and maintaining a diverse capital structure. Ralph creates value through effective financing, measuring company performance, and guiding Wade trim strategic decision-making for fiscal success. Ralph has worked in the consulting engineering industry in a financial role for 28 years after beginning his career in public accounting. He has a Bachelor of Accountancy and an M.S. in Finance from Walsh College of Accountancy and Business Administration. He's a member of the Michigan Association of Certified Public Accountants, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the Institute of Management Accountants, and the American Consulting Engineering Council, and he's on the finance committee. Our discussion begins around exploring what keeps a CFO of an engineering firm up at night. If you're a financial leader in any profession, you'll recognize these issues that keep Ralph up at night. Before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Radio family of podcasts. It is an honor and a privilege to be amongst some of the more prevalent business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken, and Keep Leading with Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-sweetradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Also, you can now listen to this podcast on iHeartRadio. And now a quick word from our sponsor.
0: This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, aka The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience.
1: Now let's get to the interview with Ralph Picano. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm excited about my guest today. First time I met him was through an email that the IMA sent me because my guest actually attended one of my sessions at an IMA conference. And I actually took this as a uh, as a compliment because usually everybody has an idea of my last name, you know, Margaritas or Martini or something along the lines. The email that I got from the IMA said, this gentleman said in your session, he remembers the course, he remembers the title, but he doesn't remember your name, which was a, such a great compliment uh, <laughs> that the material must have been... You know, to, to him, was good because he remembered it, but forgot my name. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Ralph Picano and who's the CFO of an engineering firm. And one, I know you're busy. I appreciate you taking time. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
0: It's a nice diversion. <laughs> I appreciate you <laughs> taking me away from my time.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't mean you have to stick around later tonight in order to make up the time that w- uh, we're I'll, having. I'll,
0: uh, I'll work it in. I'll figure it out.
1: And that's a CFO. I, I, I want to ask you, start off with one very simple question. What keeps you up at night? <laughs> well, you think that's
0: simple, but, um, but it changes. And, um, And that's good. It's good that there's a variety in life. I can tell you that I come in, and and each day is a little bit different here. And you know, so whatever the uh, the issue is at that point in time would uh, ultimately is the one that keeps me up at night. But um, you know, this industry we 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 bill hours. We're a service industry, and um, people are working on projects and doing a good job, and we're able to uh, to charge. our clients, um, create value and, and, and give them a reason to pay us, then, um, then everything is good. So the fact that our largest expense, uh, in the company itself is payroll means that that expense category is the one that's going to keep you up at night. And utilization is the term we use in this industry where employees, uh, if they're charging or I should say, if they're billing to projects Mm -hmm. or charging projects, then, um, We're gaining utilization. Utilization is the um, is probably the most important metric that we deal with, at least currently uh, in this uh, in the industry. And uh, so, with payroll being our largest expense category, if we're able to manage that appropriately, then then we can be successful. But if we're not, then uh, that becomes very problematic. And so, in times when when we're not able to to get our backlog to the employees and and get them Get them on projects. You know we're not we're not gaining the the contribution margin that we'd like or the profit that we'd like in our business, and uh, and that creates challenges within the uh, the entire enterprise. So that that's what keeps me and the management team certainly these days. That's what's keeping us up.
1: So define utilization for me.
0: Utilization uh, can be measured in two different ways. One would be in hours, and one is in dollars, and Effectively, what that is, if uh, is the employee's time. If they're if they're charging their time to a uh, an outside client, a billable client, mm-hmm. then they're utilized or considered chargeable time, um, and that's the the numina- numerator in the equation. And the denominator is the total dollars or total hours that that employee is working. So okay. utilization and the range of for for an operations individual of seventy percent or so is is about where. Typically,
1: you want to be okay. Understand? So, if basically, it sounds to me kind of in a, in a nutshell, what keeps you up at night? People, sure. The the right. The, the, right. The, 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 the people aspect of the job, and in, in order to be profitable, in order to make to, to get those projects done in a timely manner, uh, one you have to have a workforce that shows up. And That's, not a That's not enough that, that part 's not a problem but but what about morale within the organization and, and how does that does that have an effect and you You mentioned before we started recording you 've got, got a major project that 's going on that you have to have done by october and, and that could affect morale within your organization or hours spent and, and you're um, implementing is it a, a, an upgrade or a new ERP system?
0: It is, uh, it's an upgrade, but it's to an entirely new platform. So it's almost like it's a brand new system.
1: And you know what ERP stands for, don't you?
0: <laughs> uh, wait, I did hear this before, but I can't
1: remember. What? Entities reoccurring problem. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yes, it's, 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 it's always a challenge. And... I don't know if... Rarely is not the right word, but there's always some hiccups. There's always stuff that's going on that causes the team to have to work later hours than anticipated. And that puts additional strain on the organization, especially if we've got to hit this deadline. Um, So that goes into that whole utilization hours. And and even from an overhead perspective, you're trying to keep your team motivated and, and deal with this. And Hopefully, the engineers aren't getting frustrated by all of this that's going on at the same time, and then it right. just kind of manifests itself.
0: Yeah yeah, that's um, <laughs> a great point. Uh, the timing of this of this conversion is a little bit um, unfortunate. so we we've been the company has been growing, and we've we've instituted quite a few initiatives in recent years. We brought on a, a safety manager, we have a branding manager training uh, manager and uh, we have a lot of really cool things going on here but they're they're taking away uh, a lot from from the operations side and, and them working on chargeable projects and it's all good and um and everybody's you know busy and, and the profit is good no one's saying anything but in recent months that hasn't been the case or utilization has been lower and um here we find ourselves uh, in the second half of the year and we've got a little bit of a uh, an uphill climb to uh, to hit our profitability goal and so suddenly the focus now is uh, hey let's back off from these non-chargeable initiatives and let's um, let's get back on projects and i'm dealing with the ER, er conversion where um, you know it's 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 our it's our backbone you know this is the this is the software that runs the company and uh, we need to make sure everyone's properly trained at it when we go live and hit that switch. And we have some constraints as to, as to how we can get there with, um, you know, with the, the restriction of time on our operation side. So, you know, my, my crew has been doing this for a couple of years, uh, the IT staff, uh, accounting, um, really been working hard on, on getting this conversion in place and understanding the new system. And most of us are salary and most of us aren't chargeable. So that's not so problematic to, uh, to the company profitability. But now that we've got to roll it out to the other side, to the operations side, and there's this whole sensitivity of non-chargeable time uh, mm. that is really creating uh, creating a challenge. So you yes, what, uh, asked what keeps me up at night. You're going to ask me specifically today here in you know late summer 2019 and it's this ERP conversion, hands down. So that's, uh,
1: that's where we're at today. But without with it, like you said, it's the backbone. It's what really runs the organization. So, and if it takes a a a little more, it it takes away from those chargeable hours because now they're non-chargeable. In order to get this running properly, and with that concern of it's later in the year and year ends coming, are you on the calendar or fiscal year end? Calendar, calendar year end. So December's creeping up. So there's that added pressure. But is there another way of looking at it? Going okay, so we have to get this right. (laughs) <laughs> or, or, I mean, if it's the backbone, we got to get it right. right. So we might ultimately have to take, I, I i hate uttering these words, but we may have to take a little bit less in profitability in order to get it right. Mm. But that investment that we're making into that this year should wash itself and then some next year when the system is up fully running and, 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 and somewhat right. of a mature state.
0: That's right. That's the ultimate outcome. You know, we know we're moving to this platform because it's providing a lot more visibility to the project managers. It's going to make their, their ability to run projects be that much more improved. So, you know, there is a, there is a benefit that we'll, that we'll reap at some point, uh, but it's hard to see that where we're at today. So, so I think the answer, is, the answer is somewhere in between, right? We got to be as efficient as we can in rolling out this training, minimize the non-chargeable time, Yet, effectively train our staff.
1: Right, and and there's an organization I I I did some work for, and they rolled out these communication initiatives on how we're going to better communicate within the organization. It was a it was a really large organization, but they rolled these tools out. You know, even from like Windows three sixty five and. Uh, some version of Slack and these variety of of project management, you know, uh, uh, technology pieces to this group, but they never trained them on it. <laughs> They didn't communicate properly, did they? They, 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 did, they, they gave them the tools, they didn't, but they didn't show them how to use the tools. <laughs> and it was, it was a, 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 literally somewhat of a train wreck there for a while until they could then untangle themselves. I mean, just because we give you the tools, there's a lot of training that goes on so you know how to use it. And it's right. not, here's a manual. Because you know, if it's a guy, we're not going to read a manual. We want pictures, and we're going to figure it out ourselves, unless somebody's there to walk us through it. Right? right. Yeah. Yep. Have the experience? Uh, yes. So, the size of firm, How many professional staff do you have? In the sense of, of from the engineering world? We
0: have rough, uh, considered professionals roughly three hundred.
1: About three hundred, uh, located in just you have one location or no?
0: No, we're uh, we're headquartered in Detroit. But we have offices in ten different states now we have twenty offices in total okay I'm uh, today I'm sitting in our uh, in our largest um, facility here in Taylor, which is a suburb of Detroit.
1: okay uh, Where do you find your talent? what do you re- how do you recruit?
0: yeah that's been a challenge as sure all of your listeners can attest to. we have had uh, we've really had to bring on particularly for the higher uh, Higher-level professionals, we've had to bring on um, recruiters that are specific to the industry, and uh, you know, search high and wide throughout the country to find the right talent. It's a challenge, and that's not—it's not inexpensive.
1: Uh, no, but do you also do you recruit out of the universities?
0: We do, we do, and our uh, our CEO has been um, adamant about um, making that a priority. Our managers are very. Uh, are oftentimes very sensitive to adding staff. And, and if you if you don't know what your needs are going to be eight months in the future, you're more tentative in, in making a a hiring commitment. And, you know, to get the university, uh, the best of the university staff, uh, students, um, you got to get them in October, right? When they graduate in June or, you know, right. during, during recruiting season. Andy McEwen, our CEO, has been very adamant on telling the managers, hey, you're going to, you're going to, Extend offers in, in October, and you're going to hire them in June, even though you don't know what you need at that point. Just we need that we need that staff.
1: And and, uh, and talking to a, a friend of mine uh, who's the CEO of an engineering firm in Lexington, Kentucky, he mentioned something to me about there's a high a hiring scarcity out there for talent in the engineering world. And, and 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 the way he explained it was so we've got a lot of this younger talent in, and they can kind of have they have a little bit more leverage against with management mm-hmm. than, than maybe in the past because of the scarcity that's out there and it's almost to to some degree like you need me more than I potentially need you that's that's accurate. We're experiencing <laughs> that and the and the impact of that
0: is that um, you need to start adjusting wages for for those who are a little bit high, who've been with the company a couple of years longer or maybe a little bit older and more experienced. And and so you have that, that cascading impact of, of uh, increasing wages across the board.
1: Uh, so what were we talking about? Bottom line there just a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, and, and, and talking with him, it's, it's a, uh, that was one of the things that keeps him up at night is the ability to find the right people to come into the right jobs. and, and, and be dedicated to their job uh, and, and not be so sensitive that if this, something doesn't go my way, I'll just go find something else. Right, right. Um, and the other thing that he mentioned to me that, that keeps him up at, at night is, well, he's an engineer and now he's CEO and, and he's, he's, he's not an accountant. Uh, he never wants to play one on TV, but he's had to learn being in that role and understanding the numbers a lot better than he did when he was a project manager. But then he also realized that the project managers have no idea how profitable the organization can be or, or their world is because they're so focused on their project, but not understanding what the revenue comes in from it. And also the expenses, because still in business, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it here but I'm going to mark it up to here yeah. in order to make that profit. And it's something that he struggled with and, and, and getting those engineers to understand the, the basic accounting side. And, and I, when you say, I know when you say accounting to engineers, they just shut down.
0: Right. right. Actually, that's, that's one of the reasons, too, that we're, we're making this conversion is that uh, the previous um, version of the software is very accounting-centric And so the engineers weren't able to, or always felt it was an accounting application. The new version is more project manager centric, so it's more dedicated towards what they do. Ooh, okay. Uh, That should be a good thing. But um, I I completely agree. And and it's been that, since I've gotten into this industry, I've I've been amazed at the fact that these are some of the brightest, smartest people I've ever met. And you just assume that they understand the concept of profitability. Um, But a lot of them are uh, some of them are outstanding and they do and others are uh, are just are just so passionate about what they do and want to do a great job for the client which holds well for us right 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 you know but they don't always uh, they don't always completely grasp the whole nature of profitability and and, and how we are successful at, at having that profitability so uh, education is, is important there as well
1: yeah i and, and it takes me back to my days when I was a banker and I was a lender and lenders were were bonused on the uh gross amount of the loan, which I thought was ridiculous yeah. See, i mean so we got, we've got we had lenders out there making deals and basically giving the business away, but they were thinking about their bonus and accumulating those bigger dollars when i always said we should be we should be bonused on the amount of profitability that we get that 's right. But even lenders who had somewhat of, of, a, of a of a accounting finance numbers background, maybe not as deep, just would never understand it. Would never grasp. it, would never. And, and to me, it was just I, I can't. And this is before I got into the accounting profession. I just never under understood it. And it sounds like the same thing with, with engineers, probably even with architects and, and and those highly technical fields that do great work. But there's still the semantics of. The accounting world,
0: yeah, yeah. Your
1: your bonus comes from somewhere, right? Right.
0: <laughs> it doesn't come out of out of uh, thin air. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's amazing. You know, we we accountants uh, and engineers are kind of lumped together often with with being. Uh, you know, we're all geeks, right? <laughs> and um, one of the other things that I've learned in being in this industry is that. That, I'm getting off of the the profitability side here with this comment, but um, one of the, um, you know, you you have this perception that engineers have, you know, the black socks and the tennis shoes and they're the geeks. um, But one of the things I've learned in this industry is these guys are very uh, personable, very, I mean, they have, their job is to convince others and to, to be collaborative and to, you know, communicate. And so I, they're not geeks not geeks. Us accountants got, got them easily beat <laughs> and,
1: and geeked them. <laughs> 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 and it's, it's, when I think of engineers and accountants, I, 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 until I started understanding the, the engineering world a little bit, and, I kinda, I, and sort of after I kind of had an idea of how, how they think, I wish I had taken more engineering classes. Yeah. Because accountants look at things like how much does it cost? Right. Engineers look at things that how can I make this better, and and that's that's the part of of their mindset that just blows me away. Is when they look at things, they're not looking at what it costs. They're going, how can we make this more efficient? How can we make this better? How can we do this differently to make our obviously our our client happy? Uh, But that's how they work, and 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 they're not processing. Well, this is costing us this much, right? Right.
0: And they're just they're just smart. They're just
1: smart people, and. You know, ultimately, they're making the world a better place, right? Ultimately, yes, they are making better place and safer. Right. I, I think about that when I cross a bridge, and I'm going. I hope this thing is structurally sound. Uh, I, you know, and, and and I'm in an elevator going up thirty flights, thirty stories, and going. Okay, somebody had to design this, and hopefully, they took all the continuing <laughs> education courses in order to make this thing a, a, a solid. Uh, but there's got to be a way. well, I, I know there is a way. It's just how do we communicate that information uh, or oh, the importance of the having the business acumen to engineers to have a better understanding of the organization and how it how it operates financially? You know one one thing we do here, which I
0: think helps, is we try to be as transparent as we can with our financial results with our staff. And so, on a monthly basis, uh, there's six metrics, six or seven metrics that that we we continuously measure, and um, we put them on the on the Bolton boards in all the offices. So there'll be a chart indicating what our results were in the various metrics, and then a little, just a short little commentary that I write each month. And so it's visible to everybody. Everybody can see how well the company's doing or areas where we need we need to improve. And I think. Inevitably, that that rubs off, and, and they have an understanding of, of how how things run and, and how profitability is is achieved through those metrics.
1: By doing this, have they have they started asking more questions?
0: Some do, some do. I mean, we've been doing it for a number of years, so okay. you know the questions may may have been more. There may have been more questions early on, but um, but yeah, they generate periodically. I'll get
1: we'll get some questions, and. The response back to them, do they do they understand or, or have some grasp, or they're going okay, and they uh, walk away going, I'm not, still not sure.
0: Most most walk <laughs> out of here with I, I think understanding, and, okay. and and you feel that they're uh, you know they react accordingly if there is a way that they should be reacting. Uh, I don't know once they leave my office what happens, but <laughs> well, yeah. they, when they leave here, they, it feels that way.
1: Uh, there was an engineer. that was uh, excuse me. There was a CFO who worked for an engineering company um, in, in the Pennsylvania area. One of my courses, and at some point he says, I, "I've learned to be a translator." I said, "Okay, I, I knew where he was going, but I could tell the rest of the class wasn't quite picking up on it." Said, well, tell me how about your translation? Well, I've got to take financial numbers, and I have to translate it so that the CEO understands what I'm also saying. <laughs> I also have to learn i've had to learn engineering the language of engineering be able to translate that into financial to be able to translate that up see C- i i'm 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 multilingual. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> multilingual i i know i know english i know accounting i know engineering <laughs> um and, and if we all think about that you know these professions that we're in we do we all do speak a foreign language yeah yeah so, to those who are not, you know, in, in that same industry. But we, <clears throat> we tend to think that even though you're the CFO in this engineering firm, that you should understand engineering. And you, probably now, as many as you've been doing it, you have a much better understanding. But in those early years... Uh, don't, ask, don't ask me any questions, Peter. Don't put me spot <laughs>
0: engineering stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, my I have very little in that engineering world, but over time you've kind of you've been able to translate, have a better understanding where they're coming from. But they didn't sit down and say, "Okay, now Ralph, I know you don't have an engineering degree. We do. We've got like thousands of hours more than you have. So I'm going to take my time and explain engineering right. to you." Right. That didn't happen. Did That's it? right. That's true. Yeah. Right. right. You just they just came at you with full, you know. Guns are blazing, and just going. I'm sure you understand this because you've been employed here at this engineering firm. And you're going. I have no idea what they said.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. And the industry is changing, and I don't know if your um, if your friend, who's a CEO of the engineering uh, company, has expressed this to you. You know, you talked about when you cross a bridge and hoping that that bridge will won't fall apart. You know, a lot of our funding is is public funding, right? to fund the projects that we, uh, that we work on. And, you know, the public, it's not sexy stuff, this infrastructure stuff, right? Right. So it's tough to get, uh, to get the public or to get the lawmakers to, to approve or to, to allocate funds to these projects, which we all feel we all know are very important, but, um, they're just not front and center, you know? And, um, and that's prob- that's problematic in our industry as well. If you talk to any of the any of those in the know, they're gonna they're to paint a pretty bleak picture as to the status status of our our bridges and our our roads. Up here in Michigan, the roads are, are horrendous. And um, you know, um, there, there's a lot of funding. We, we certainly um, are in need of a lot of funding, but but you know, where's it gonna come from? Right?
1: Yeah, well, that's a very good point. Um... In thinking about that the infrastructure and where those dollars ultimately come from and who does the work for the, the uh for the, for the US government or the state of Michigan or, or whomever and where where that money but it's a, it's a necessity that we need it but you're right that the and you know we've known this for a while the infrastructure is not in great shape yeah. no. uh, and but here in Columbus, one thing I have noticed more lately that I mean, we, we, we've gone through an orange barrel season, and, and we're still into it for for a little while. But I've seen more other types of infrastructure projects going on uh, with our roads, and, and, and one in particular, two hundred and seventy, which goes around the city. They're doing a a, a major construction project, to put an HOV lane in. Mm, yeah. And because they're going to put the HOV lane in, uh, they've had to kind of help fix everything else associated with that. And so I'm starting to see more of these types of projects, but and bike bike lanes as well. Yes, bike lanes. I I I, I love riding, I love riding my bike. I I, I I I but I rarely ride it on the road. Right. Just because. Yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, the, there's there's too many stories out there, but yeah, that's. Uh, He didn't mention that, but I I know that his his firm does a lot of work in in the government sector, Uh, and that that in itself, if if I had a large piece of my business in that in that industry or or relying upon the U.S. government, I don't know if I would sleep at night. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's um, you know, there's so much that we don't even see. You know, we in the public general, the public doesn't, you know, we don't see what's underground. We don't see what the status of the, of the the condition of the pipes, you know, of, uh, of the energy grid, you know, that type of thing. There's, there's so much out there we don't see, but, um, but it's out there and it's, uh, there's issues and I don't know, uh, hopefully there, there'll be no major catastrophes that, that force us to, to pay more attention to, to funding these things,
1: but. But unfortunately, that's usually what happens in order to get the attention, which is the wrong piece. It's that we we, we you know we, I'll call it we, we, right now. We're probably living in the the equivalent of BlackBerry. Yeah. If you think about BlackBerry, they were the be all end all, right? They were the communication expert, and, and they got they became very complacent in, in what they were doing. And next thing you know, the catastrophe happened. Here comes Apple, and they never really took Apple serious, and ultimately, and yeah, uh, it, it took that to 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 wake them up. By the time they woke up, it was too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's 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 true. Uh, I I didn't think about that. Um, but that's that's very true. That we we have to figure out a way how to fund in order to keep the infrastructure as, as you know. And I, and I travel a lot and between trains, planes, and automobiles yeah it's that's that's kind of scary I appreciate that i i <laughs> <laughs> sorry to put the doom and gloom on you oh no worries at all but it is, But it is i'm I'm glad you raised that point because we don't think about that because it's it's there right. and we think about it we we think about it when a major hurricane comes through and knocks out the electricity right. or or knocks out the roads or or, or you know uh Up here in Michigan, the Flint water crisis, right? Right. Everyone's heard of that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And then then we wake up, but that time, to some degree, it's too late. So as we begin to wrap up, there is one area I do want to broach real quickly. And in your world, you mentioned about the ERP, but how has technology began to affect your world? Yeah,
0: I was going to comment on that. Even without you asking, because we're talking about profitability and this has been a drain on it. So as I mentioned earlier, we you know we're a we're a people industry, we charge clients for the labor, the the services that our employees provide. Um, but more and more technology is becoming part of that service, and you need the technology to to provide that service to the client. And what we've experienced here is that the technology cost on our PL and our capital uh, expenditures have been, have been ra- right, uh, rising quite a bit in recent years. And the industry is still still used to hours and dollars. And, and so, you know, people working hours, not necessarily the, the equipment or the technology that they're using. So the struggle is, you know, now that we have the technology, we're, we need less time to do the same job for the client. But we're still charging the client on ours, so we've got to we've got to get used to, or we've got to change that model to reflect either. And we've been we've been trying to do this, and we've been relatively successful in in charging for rental or you know other costs, non labor costs associated with completing the project, or or basically just provide or just charging for the for the value that that the client gained, regardless of how many hours were put on the project at what rate. It's just the value that the, that the, that the client has gained just due to the whole mix of, of engineering services and technology. So that's, that's a model we're working on. It's still evolving.
1: Yeah. And, and, and funny you should mention that because I've heard that even in, you know, a public accounting firms, this technology, we're not having to go out and do the audit per se and get, you know, Conference right. room, we're able to uh, take the GL, throw it into a Watson type of artificial intelligence. Outcomes, you know, these are the areas you need to look. So that audit time has been cut. So what does that do to? us? Uh, but we, how do we price it now? Right, right. And, and and do we? It, but but to your point, we've done it quicker, but we've had the investment into the technology that we still need to recoup. That's right. So yeah, th- th- that's that's a-, a mental exercise that can hurt in trying to figure that out, <laughs> and and trying to convey it so that the client understands. That's yeah. How do I how do I explain to the client that we got it done quicker, much more efficient, but the price really didn't come down? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's that. It's yeah, we can look at the same thing in healthcare. I mean, we're doing more with technology in healthcare than ever before. Uh, The prices haven't come down. It's because we forget about the investment into that technology and what it costs, and we still need to recoup that cost.
0: Somehow, healthcare pulls it off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The other professions are struggling with that, but it's really the, the the same. Thought process. Either yeah. way, yeah, yeah. Um I admire CFOs for the vast knowledge that they have because I would I'm gonna make this assumption as a CFO, you're not only have finance and accounting reporting to you. Who else reports to you?
0: I have uh, administration reporting to me. Okay. Uh, I don't have Human resources or IT, they report to the CEO.
1: Okay. Obviously, I work
0: very close with those groups,
1: though. Right. Okay. So, yeah, uh, other CFOs have had IT and and, or or HR. Oh, really? You have an HR background, so I qualify. And they laugh and go, "I've had to learn it. I've had I had to get you know obviously gain gain a better understanding of it. And when I when I speak with CFOs, I have the utmost respect because I can't, I don't know if I could ever do that job or I'd want to, but the, the number of balls that you have to juggle on a daily basis and then still go home to a family and have a good night's sleep, it's a tough job. It's rewarding. It's good to be relevant. It's, be, it's good to be relevant. Uh, and speaking of being relevant, I, I, since you <laughs> mentioned that and have all the admiration, I, I, before we started, I noticed something on, on, on Ralph's desk. That talking about be right. He still has his ten key on his desk, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, I know. And everybody's listening, who's an accountant captain's the CFO, they go, "Well, what's wrong with that? We have ours on our desk as well,
0: right?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I and then I told you, Peter, that I also have the painted rock from my daughter when she was in kindergarten on my desk as well. So I have I have two uh, paper paper holders here, <laughs> <laughs> two paper holders. And And by the way, how old is your daughter now? Uh, that daughter is
1: now 22. Oh, wow. They have a 22-year-old and an 18-year-old. Congratulations. Thank you. One's, one's off payroll. One's almost? Uh, no, they're both still I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate your candor in and, and, and this conversation. Uh, it's been fun to get to know you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, in September in Denver. Um, and actually, I much more relaxed environment uh, especially at the rockies game yeah and then it'll be fun and then the next day when i'm presenting you're you're free to heckle as much as you would like <laughs>
0: <laughs> we uh, we appreciate you
1: coming out Peter, and we're looking forward to having you there I, I, i'm looking forward to getting there so uh, uh safe travels out to denver uh, i hope by fun. that time the erp project is Maybe getting close to winding down, and and, and uh, you can have a couple nice evening sleeps that you might not have when you're when you're at home and and in the office. So uh, thank you again, and I look forward to uh, seeing you uh, uh, in September.
0: Thank you, Peter. See you in September.
1: Now that you've listened to this episode, what will you do to ensure that you're handling all of your employees' challenges in a way to ensure the organization's? profitability. Remember, you're in the people business first and foremost, and if you treat your people with respect, they will treat their customers and clients with the same respect that you have shown them. Thank you for listening, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit wwwc sweetradiocom to listen to many of the excellent podcasts that they have in their network.
0: Like what you just heard, visit c sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c com.